For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. I've got with me Stephen Russell. Stephen was um, is organised used to organise a short film night called S Four, which looked at the end to end process of making short films, and he is updating that process. Um, and he's come here to talk to us about it. Mm. Hi, so, thanks for having me. It's very good to have you here. So what's what what you do? You you're still based at the Genesis Cinema in Stepney, Stroke Whitechapel. Uh, yeah, we we always were um, more or less. You were one of the few people who came in the distant early days of our uh, speakeasy style um, yeah, art. It was, it was quite illicit. Studio. That, wasn't it? That, that, that kind of get together. It involved me. It involved me sticking my phone number on the door, and people had to phone it to get in. Yeah. Um, because it was locked in case. Uh, art supplies got nicked it was Bethnal Green um, <laughs> and I've been told some people missed that but we're, we're, we're certainly more bona fide now and, and the idea of screening films that people wouldn't normally get to see um, short films up until this point um, and now we're sort of folding it out for oh. 2014 into features as well um, it's just nicer to be based in a cinema um, and a local mm. cinema and an independent cinema. What that. was it, so, in, in the first instance, what was it that drew you to the idea of isolating short films and then talking about them? What was it What was it that made you think that idea might work as a... <clears throat> well, um, I started to watch a lot more, yeah. was the first thing, and, and sort of over the, lo- not, you know, over the last 10 years or so, being lucky enough to sort of work in the industry and with filmmakers um, directly you know more and more closely over that 10 year period mm. um to the point where now um i work as a talent agent so i'm representing writers for film and tv okay. um and over the course of even kind of fighting my way towards that i was watching a lot more short films and the majority of the times when i was watching them it would either be at home um on vimeo by myself with my headphones in so the baby wouldn't disturb me mm-hmm. Or at a short film night where you have eight or ten kind of programmed in a row, um, when obviously there'll be some that will stand out more than others, or, or, or a, you know, sort of best case scenario, you sort of get to the end and you can't really remember the one at the beginning. And it seemed to me, it kind of gave a slightly short shrift to yeah. the fact that now sort of working with writers who are making shorts often, you know, earlier in their careers, so maybe they're, you know, sort of first or second shorts. 
they didn't put any less effort into making these films um, simply because they were sort of 15, 20 minutes. They would still, you know, be X number of months or years of redrafting um, mm. in the case of one of the films that we'd shown, um, <coughs> which is an astonishing film called This Is Vanity. Um, and the, sub- the story subject matter was very serious. Um, a young girl with mental illness who lives on a council estate and is victimised by the people who live around her. Yeah. The director of that and the actress who played this character would go to sort of workshops um, from people who suffered from the same quite an intense form of autism um, and just work with them and research it that way. So it certainly wasn't something they were sort of dabbling and they took it very seriously and it seemed yeah, to me yeah, yeah. unfair that they wouldn't really get the chance to kind of um, talk about the, their process really and and the process in itself is sort of, I think, of interest to film fans, certainly of interest to filmmakers um, of all stages. So the reason, and the name S4, which is slightly mystifying, and now I guess it's like AMC, whereas originally the, for the TV channel, it stood for the American Movie Channel because they showed a bunch of movies. Now it just, I watched an interview with John Hamm and they're talking about Mad Men. He says basically now it stands for nothing because it's just AMC, that's the name of the channel. So it's mm. kind of developed into the same thing, but originally S4 was came from calling it script, shoot, slice, screen, in that we talk about the scripting, we talk about the shooting, we talk about the editing, and then we screen it. So um, all of our Q&As are kind of structured over yeah. those three areas, really. So we consciously talk about an idea as it kind of first came to people in a logline or a dream or sitting, as one of our writer-directors said, he was sitting outside bank tube station watching somebody run for their train and imagine what would happen if a piano fell on him and that's where his whole film came from um so there was a range of things and then yeah talking about the shooting some of the films were much larger scale this is vanity is a good example they blew up a car they basically destroyed a house wow whereas one of the films we showed which is again one of the earliest to a good one <coughs> called blind date was essentially a two-hander um set in the room above a pub one, one, one that inspired me and my friend to to go away and make a short film well, there, there we go. That's, that's quite, li- quite literally. That Q&A that he did okay. was really, really, you know, the, 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 the idea of the going out there and doing it, mm-hmm. which was, the, the, you know, the central message of what they were about. Because I think they were part of a general group anyway, weren't they, that set themselves kind of monthly tasks to make films and stuff. That was they would, kind of um, blind date. Everyone would have a different role yeah. in making each film, so it wasn't, you weren't always the writer, always yeah. the costume designer or the DP or whatever so um, yeah like a filmmaking club mm. as opposed to as a film watching club mm. um, and then we'll talk about the editing and the post-production side of it and actually more often than not the kind of route that a short film takes to an audience in that some you know we'd heard that people would consciously make a film that would do well at festivals which you know m- maybe dictates sort of genre considerations and what type of film they choose to make if it's a comedy or a horror mm. I think there's more themed strands around that um lengthwise obviously you know five minute there's more slots for five minute shorts than there is for 20 minute shorts um on the flip side we showed a film that was 40 minutes um that's the very which, upper end of which short is film, about and then i don't think i think well they hadn't i don't think that had shown in many festivals at all and that was a conscious choice on the part of the director um so his name was david reese and the film was called um to meet it with awe okay. and it was I mean, it was an astonishing film and it was um, a Western story about um, a young girl who captured the sort of outlaw 
who'd murdered her mother, so he had a bounty on his head and it was her transporting him across country to okay. claim this bounty and the relationship between the two of them as their journey continues through mm. this very sort of lawless American West. Um, and it's so, it's quite a sort of, the tension really winds up. It, mm. it earns its stripes as a 40-minute film because you slowly start to sort of trust him as a as a bad guy Um and it's a weird, it's really sort of willy won't he kind of thing. Is it is it is it like watching a feature film on double speed? Is it? Does it get to certain clear points in the kind of act one, two, and three? Is it very much so? Yeah, half the time. <laughs> it's um, it's um. I mean, it's a very, it's a simple story, and it's a cha- it was a challenging one, I think, to make and really to watch because there isn't really a lot of moving parts in it. Mm. Um, very much these two people, but um, but yes, it's it's structured. Mm. like a feature and David said in his Q&A he'd made it because he didn't wasn't really interested in he, he didn't feel like making a short film with two people sitting in a room would really demonstrate what he wanted to do and he wanted to be directing features so he went out and made a film that showed he could do that and he yeah, did yeah, yeah. and it was great um, and I was really pleased that we had the chance to show it simply because not many other people had the chance and that's an interesting thing he said anyway because there's, there's an often there's a kind of you should or you shouldn't debate going on about the, the merits of short film isn't it in terms of how much it can be a calling card for mm-hmm. your talent and how much it can be, well, why don't you just make a feature then if you really want? Yeah, and obviously that's getting easier and easier all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it depends on what type of feature you want to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm of, the view, I'm of the view that you, as, as, as a kind of up-and-coming filmmaker who's developing their skills and their mm-hmm. eye, I think a short film gives you more chance to show off what you can do than a feature film. A feature film, you could end up dragging out something mm-hmm. that isn't a strong story. And it may well be 85 minutes long. That's exactly but the, it. But the audience watching it will know that. And all those beautiful touches that you've done in and amongst all that mm-hmm. will be lost. Whereas you can almost like concentrate your your ability to do a fight scene, a jumping out of a thing, something smashing up or whatever that you might want to showcase to make yeah. someone interested in you. And actually one of our guests said it best. Um so we showed a f- short called um, Physics, which mm-hmm. was written and directed by Claire Oakley. Okay. Um, and her director of photography, who coincidentally is also her husband, mm-hmm. uh, came down, um, Rob Hardy. And he's um, worked on like, the Red Riding for Channel 4, okay. uh, and like a lot of big things. And so they shot, and it's a great, the, the, the energy of the film is really unique, and that's all you know down to Claire. It's a very sort of, it's a story that mixes kind of faith and science really nicely together, but it looks amazing as well. Mm-hmm. And Rob, you know, within that, I suppose, not least because of his considerations as director of photography, but also kind of understanding the writing process, said that actually short film is sometimes a genre in itself in that it's a specific type of story That's that you that will form a short film. And I think some short films are, are better because the filmmakers realise that. Maybe some less so. Um, mm. because they're not really fleshed out in terms of structure. I think the majority of films we've shown do have three acts. You can see mm. the turns between them and the story mm. points that are still hit quite hard. Um, and the characters are no less well-drawn, I think, in a, in a short film than they would be in a feature, and they still feel compelling and complicated and, and have an agenda that they're looking to do, mm. looking to achieve and a way to achieve it. Um, all these things, I think, are what short filmmakers think mm. about. Um, but, the, but the notion of isolating a short film enables us to focus on it, which is 
give an example you said before, where in a, in a normal short film programme, you'll see seven to ten films back to back, and you'll lose what you might want to talk about after, which you, if you come out of a, of a feature film, you'd be talking about the one film, but if you've sat through yeah. 85 minutes of shorts... You, and one, you, and it you've, may you've, be been, the... you've been punished largely. Not, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, and that's not to denigrate the good ones. It's the fact that the bad ones, the bad ones, make the experience not as good. And that's only to do with taste. Okay. It's not to say because if they get on a festival, then they've got a merit of their own. But if it's not your cup of tea, and harder perhaps yeah. if they're all great, because you're really going to struggle to remember. It's it's not an easy thing for anyone to do. <clears> sit <throat> for two hours and watch yeah. ten different stories. So in a way, you're, what you're doing is you're elevating the the short film to the position of star in your night aren't you exactly and then the people that make it can talk about it and the filmmakers have the chance to so um, what are you doing now given that there was purely a short film night before now mm. you're you're sort of rebooting it to use a film term (laughs) the the evening to to bring in so much more so you want to talk about what the new offering and have have you changed the name of the the evening well it's just it's something that's a bit more digestible and actually it's very much something that I wanted it to be anyway and it's harder when you're only showing short films and you know even if they've had a year of screening at festivals it's not necessarily like they're going to have a a huge sort of fan following Mm. necessarily um so it's always a challenge to get them to come and watch a short film they haven't seen before and hear a filmmaker who they don't know, familiar with their career, do a Q&A. Yeah. Um, now we're much more of a film club. And actually, I have to say, you know, credit where credit's due. And I'd encourage people to to watch films in the context of a film club as much as they can. There are um, two chaps who run the Tufnell Park Film Club. Mm. is great and um, not only do they show good films, but they have a night that's essentially programmed by their audience. So that you'll watch a film one week. Uh, I think they're like every, it's every other Tuesday. Um, <clears throat> they'll watch a certain film. Two weeks later, um, they'll pick three films that are a companion piece to that one. Um, the audience votes on which one they want to watch. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, they watch it, so it's a double bill. Mm-hmm. Um, again... On that night, they'll pick another three films that are companion pieces to that one. They vote again. Two weeks later, they watch it. So, yeah, it's a constantly ongoing double bill. That's a great idea. Um, So, uh, I wouldn't say I've taken it one step further, but it's sort of a uh, spiritual partner. So, the idea now is that because quite a lot of the time when we were doing these Q&As, and in the course of talking about the short films, a filmmaker would reference feature films that were an influence. So, you know, and that ranged from um, the Coen Brothers, um, which one of our filmmakers, John Reed Edwards, um, talked about his film, which was called Hadley TK41, mm. um, which is a great sort of 1960s set comedy, and that's a short of the week, so you can go and watch that online for free. Um, he talked about the Coen Brothers as an influence for that. We showed a film called Cleaning Up, starring Mark Gatiss. Um, the writer of that, Simon Guerrier, bought a DVD player and was for free with the DVD player, had a film called End of Days, an Arnold Schwarzenegger film, oh, yeah. which apparently there's a scene in that which involved Miriam Margulies beating the crap out of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that was what led him to make this film Cleaning Up, which wow. was about a hitman's relationship with his with a and b owner, who where he go after his hit, he'll stay in this B&B. So there's this kind of odd, chintzy older lady and the relationship with this quite violent, nice. split-personality man. So, it you know... Um, 
two polar opposites, I suppose, in inspiration, but both feature films. So what we're doing now is showing a feature that is um, a partner to the short. Our visiting filmmaker will pick three features that influence them. Mm. Our audience vote on which one they want to watch. Yeah. Um, and that's the one we'll see. So um, we show a short film, we have a Q&A with a filmmaker, and then we watch the feature that inspired them. So where can people find this information? Um... We, um, I'll haul myself out to anyone who will be willing to follow us um, on Facebook and on Twitter. So the um, the username for both of those is S Four London. So the letter S, the number four, and the word London. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Facebook dot com forward slash and Twitter dot com forward slash and then S Four London. Um, so you can like us there. We the voting links are always up. So um, if, I don't know when this will go out. So I don't know what will be showing, but um, they're constantly renewing. So you'll yeah you'll have the chance to um, have your say, and then yeah it's the the so it's the last Tuesday of the month, um, at the Genesis Cinema in Whitechapel, and entry um, is always free, which is amazing. <laughs> which is yeah, which is great too. It's sort of like well, the generally I can thoroughly recommend the Genesis to go and see films anyway. Mondays and Wednesdays, at least at the moment, their films are all three pound fifty, which yeah. is um, you, you know you can't be that with a stick. Exactly. Um, and it's a it's a yeah it's a lovely cinema. So um, so yeah. what you're off what you're offering on 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 the surface of kind of if I go along and do nothing else, you're going to show me a pretty pretty finely selected short film mm-hmm. and a partner in feature film yep. that has been one of three chosen by the filmmaker I've just watched yep. and then voted for by the the group of people that that, that orbit round S4 London. Yeah, this is the, our community, if you can call it that, <coughs> yeah. on, on Facebook and on Twitter. And I'll do, I can do that for free. Yeah. Which is, that's a good offer. And, and on top of that, I can be meeting filmmakers and I can be asking questions and learning about making films as well. It's absolutely the case that sort of every time we have a filmmaker come down... Um, the film itself kind of forms a case study, so we'll you know we'll go through the same. That's where the S form name comes from. We will talk about how it was written. We'll talk about how they shot it. We'll talk about how they um, distributed it and kind of chose to kind of put it out to festivals mm. um, or not, as the case may be. Um, you know, one of the filmmakers actually purposely chose to make it available free online just to kill. The chance of it ever, re- he was sort of sick of it and wanted to move on to the next thing. Understandably, after a year of mm. watching the same short film, um, and it turns out that was the best thing he ever did. In that, it was then picked up as a short of the week. From that, um, he signed with an agent, William Morris, in Los Angeles, um, and then one in London, and all that just from making it available for free online, or making a good film and then making it available for free online. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 there was a conscious decision not to try and. Spend up to twenty five to fifty pounds stroke dollars mm-hmm. yep. to, to enter the black hole that is a film festival. He wanted to sort of force himself to move <coughs> on, so just to sort of make him actively make himself eligible, eligible, Eleg- ineligible, ineligible. We knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, yeah, he did it, and you know, it's it's nice to hear that. I mean, it's a challenging it's a challenging industry to work in anyway because the rules are there are no rules really, and you mm. can you can um, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Mm. It's just nice to come down to the night, I think, watch a film, hopefully that you enjoy, and hear how they did it. If you take one or two bits of wisdom from that, um, practical sort of shooting tips, any kind of craft or writing tips, um, 
much like I think the um, I think the whole point of filmmaking, certainly in the sense where we're talking about influences, is you once a film is made, anyone who watches it takes the elements they like, reinterprets them, kind of digests them, and spits them back out as something that's their own. Yeah. Hopefully, you will be able to do the same with these short films. Take all the bits that work for you, anything that you enjoy that inspires you, and just you know mix that mm. into all your own ingredients, and just move forward with it. I think it's a really important thing to do, and you know maybe less it happens less often with um, short films because yeah people just sort of watch them in chunks, don't necessarily kind of take the time to really break them down mm. when you should to you know to really understand how they work, and that's something that you can do so easily with feature films. DVD commentaries, making ofs, websites, you know, watching like visual effects breakdowns, mm. all those things are basically the best free film school that you could ask for. Well, no, I don't. That doesn't exist for short films mm. as I can see it. And ironically, you're much more likely to, it's much more feasible that you make a 15 minute film, mm. you know, at the start of your career. You probably need all the help you can get to make it a good one because they are so easy to make. There are so many of them. Mm. You, you you want to kind of make sure you sort of sort. I mean, one of the things you've said already is about the idea that a lot of the f- that you end up selecting mm. have a definitive kind of beginning, middle, and end mm-hmm. in a story sense. And and certainly my experience of a lot of short films you come across around they they do tend they do tend to have there is another two formats. There is the, obviously the, the ones that are strictly a narrative, they've got a good linear narrative. Mm-hmm. And then there are the, the set-up and gag shorts. And I don't mean that in a funny sense. I just mean you watch a load of stuff and then it resolves itself in the kind of final frame or two. Mm-hmm. And then you have the short film, which is essentially someone who, who believes the screen is a moving painting. And there's no there's not even the sense that I'm setting anything up and it's going to make things look beautiful mm-hmm. on the screen for three minutes. Yeah. Um... Now, is that is that those other two sorts of are they kind of they're they're out of your limit completely or yes, simply because I don't think they're sort of robust enough to support the Q and A and how in depth we go. Mm. Um, not to say that they're they don't have their place. Mm. Um, they're just shorter shorts, and they you know they are mm. what they are. Um, and like you already mentioned, they are a chance we would sort of test out ideas. Mm. Um, they could be sort of totally different to any film that some you know certain filmmakers made before. It could be the chance to try something visually different. Um, it could just be something they can do if they haven't mm. made a film in a while and want to go out on a weekend with their friends and do it. And I, you know, I'm all for that because you've got to, you, mm. you know, like a shark, you've got to keep moving or you'll die. Um, but I admire someone who can find a story that is compelling, that can support sort of active characterization, and that can have, you know, set up who your characters are and what they're looking for, give them different ways to achieve it, um, take away all their options except one, and then force them to get where they, get where they want to go yeah. in that way. And that, you know, that could describe a feature. You have a longer act two, which mm. is essentially an act of experimentation and trying different things that work, and some things will go better and some things will go worse. Mm. That's equally achievable in short film. And I think if you look at all the shorts we've sort of screened this year and all the ones I mentioned, they all have that. Mm. And 
you know, I applaud that. And actually it's harder, probably it's harder to do that in in a sort of 15, 20 minute short film than it is in a 90 or 100 minute mm. feature film because you've just got less, it's got to be a lot leaner. It's got to, you know, it's, you've got to know exactly what beats you want to hit. You've got to hit them and then you've got to move on. Mm. You don't really have the luxury of time. So you really need to know. What, what, I, what I particularly like and what I remember from, from, from those early ones of Beth McGreen, and you can just give you the first three parts of your sort of book, your four S's, the, mm. the script and the shooting and the splicing, is that um, prior to that, my experience through submitting short films that I'd written mm-hmm. to festivals yeah. is that the short film is seen to be a director's format. So when you're giving details into a submission form, mm-hmm. director's bio, director's this, director's that, and, and it's like who wrote it, and that's kind of it. But yeah. take, taking the um, blind date example, Abigail talks about her the film getting into a couple of American festivals and that led to her getting representation as a writer. So that was, and, and, and that's what I like about the fact that it elevates the, the, pro, the other processes attached to the film, which is beyond simply that you see something that looks good and plays it mm-hmm. more nicely. The fact is there was craft going into the writing. Oh, yeah. There was craft going into the editing. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, <coughs> sort of in the... In I the mean, I'm biased, obviously, but, but, it's, <laughs> but, it, but it, only because of experience and things I've worked Yeah, on. but your point is not a sort of... I'm not angry about it, it's just, it's just interesting, and it was, great to, it was great to see that actually it necessarily wasn't true through listening to yeah. people talk. I mean, I suppose it's hard to tell because at the front and centre, I suppose, you can take, you know, a short film which you never can really be sure how many people are going to see it, but you can take that, re, you know pull the bits out you want and it can form a decent part of the showreel mm. if you are a director or a director of photography or, you know, depending on a short visual effects artist because we've shown a few of those which had um, some quite good visual effects work in them. Mm. Um, but to use, to take the example of even right before um, Blind Date, which was our second ever screening, our first ever one that we showed was um, a film called The Vorman Problem, mm. which um, was uniquely, for a short, adapted from a, from a novel, albeit an excerpt from a novel, but the characters and the situation in that kind of really resonated with Mark Gill, who was the writer-director, um, and along with his producer, Baldwin, they spent probably a year, a year and a half developing it, mm. to the point where the script was so lean, it... it, it there was no fat on it at all, which is exactly what they wanted. Mm. Um, and maybe we peaked too soon, to, certainly in terms of sort of outward sexiness. But that film, The Vorman Problem, has now been nominated for BAFTA, BAFTA last year for Best Live Action Short Film and very likely could be nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, I say will have been nominated for an Oscar when this podcast comes out. Um, I remain confident. Uh, so it's, you know, I think it just goes to show that. Um, you know, they didn't phone it in, they didn't pay any less attention to that stage of the process and reaping the benefits, I think. True, and actually, no, that was that was really fascinating that, that people would go to those lengths refining what would have been, what, 12 pages? Mm. Yeah. And just fluctuating between 12 and 18 and eventually it getting resting on whatever it did. Because mm-hmm. it is easy to, I think, with, from writing a short film and having written a few, it is easy to rip up and start again. It's much harder to keep refining. Yeah. Because it's you shouldn't there isn't there isn't the kind of weight of work that you get when you've got a feature film. When you face the feature film, 
you kind of get a bit tired to some of the good bits that you liked or mm-hmm. the bits you felt were working. When you start to rewrite, you're trying to slot those in, whereas you can you can throw out 12 pages in a, in, in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. You sat at your computer all day, you can have you can have that done. So the idea of starting again on the show isn't as scary as starting again on a, on a feature. So mm-hmm. I, I was impressed. That was, again, that was, actually, that was another insight for me that that it's worth it's worth doing it. So let's let's look let's move into maybe what you've learned from all the ones you spoke or who we've spoken to and just condense a bit of advice for the listener in terms of who might want to embark on a show. And so mm. if if um, from what you've heard from the various filmmakers you've spoken to, how important is budget available to you in the ability to make a good film? Well. It, I'm sure it helps to have one available. Yeah. Um, I, you know, some of the short filmmakers would say that they, you know, very consciously wanted to pay everyone on um, on the crew and, you know, weren't really out to get something for nothing with the idea being that that would actually keep people on side. Um, you know, it was the case with... Um, with the filmmakers are cleaning up where they they I think had uh, had a, a production designer pull out the day before because mm. you know they didn't have the, the money to pay her so understandably when she got offered some paid work she took it yes which you would encourage anybody to do of course that meant they were then up till four in the morning ringing around to find people for the following day mm. um, that's not necessarily a fun position to be in um, on the flip side making um to meet it with all which was the western um that was a really a bare bones crew and they didn't have a lot of money to pay them really so actually a lot of them dropped out uh, as far as i understand it um leaving really only kind of a core crew of sort of four or five mm. who were doing everything um in that situation david who's the writer director of that film knew that they were 100 percent on board and all of them were really kind of working quite closely together to make same film so that was you know a benefit to him mm. um uh so you know like i said there is no right way or wrong mm. way to, to to really make the film it's how it's i guess taking your strengths um and kind of building on them so i'm sure there are some people who are quite good at knocking on the door of a costume hire company and asking them if they can have it have their costumes for free if they're not being used someone might be laughed at the building another person Due to their approach, might be offered the choice of costumes. So, so in a, so in a, in, a, in a in a very real sense, then the kind of hustle that's involved with trying to make a film, any a feature film, anyway, mm. the short film provides good good grounding yeah, work in absolutely. terms of your ability to get them squeeze the most out of the pips at the end as you can. I mean, more so, I think, because again, again, a film I haven't mentioned already, and taking a more traditional um, route of actually getting the money together this time via crowdfunding, mm. but. They, they, so this was a film called Driftwood, um, and the writer-director of that, James Webber, knew this is a film about a, a swimmer, a young swimmer who has um, sort of a difficult life, yeah. um, living with his father on a council estate and kind of finds catharsis through his sport. So they knew they had to make a film in a pool and they yeah. knew they had to pay to shoot there and shoot underwater. Um, so they couldn't really, you know, it couldn't wasn't something that could be done on the cheap necessarily and shot in somebody's kitchen. Um and they had a really successful um, 
crowdfunding fundraise over a period of four weeks. So their, mm. you know, their approach was to really make it like a feature film. So they had an investment pack. They were letting everyone who put money into it know exactly what they're investing in and what they were going to be using the money for. Mm. Um, I think they beat. I think they beat their target by about fifty percent. So um, by over the course of four weeks, they. I mean, ahead of time, they'd researched exactly what, and I would recommend anyone to do this, exactly what a successful um, Indiegogo campaign had done, yeah. what they did right, what they did wrong. Um, they did oh, everything oh, right. they so did right. They, and, they went back and looked at a project yeah. that had already been through the mill, as it were. And ones that had made their target and ones that hadn't. Sense, and you, you know, and sort of, uh, yeah, you know, and then much like this, if you get to come to watch a short film that's good, you can take all the ideas that people did that worked really well. Mm. Exactly the same with Indiegogo. You could open your fundraiser and just leave it sitting there for four weeks. It might peak in terms of people's attention really early and there might be a lot of retweeting around it and people you know getting a word out, that will drop away mm. quite quickly. So they, you know, finding ways to kind of keep the attention on the film and keep the momentum up. I think halfway through, they released a spoof pitch video for what would have been Driftwood the musical so in, whereas this film was actually quite a kind of um, gritty kind of confrontational film they pitched it as a musical version which was something that was infinitely sillier and light-hearted but very easy to sort of ping this funny video around um, and I think they were lucky that their one of their producers Olivia was um, quite a star turn with a guitar so she wrote a song and they all sang along, and that really helped wow. kind of kickstart the like second an, half of it. So like an explosion of creativity to make they to make one film far too much energy, <laughs> far too much skill. <laughs> so, um, so um, yeah, that's sort of so. There's you know you can certainly argue it both ways in terms of how you approach yeah. getting the money together to, to to make a short. And what about what about um, skill sets? How many people have you had to sit down? Where it was more or less their first or second go, and they, you know, learn it on the job mm. as we were at, and and or are people tending to be schooled for a better word in filmmaking before they embark on it? Um, I think it's rare that it was sort of. I mean, we showed you know, there was a sort of split between showing films that were well. The majority, by definition, I think the majority of the films were from filmmakers nearer the start of their career. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, they're learning and refining and sort of making less mistakes as time goes by, hopefully, yeah. but then hopefully we all are. Mm. I don't think anyone that ever reaches plateaus and reaches a point where they don't yeah. make any I wrong I think the day you think you know everything is that you've yeah, got money. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all sort of learning on the job and gradual, when we showed some very mature films from very mm. young filmmakers, this is Vanity is one of them, and that was um, Ollie's first, Oliver Goodrum was the director of that, that was his first feature film, not first, Oliver Goodrum, who was the director of that, that was his first short film. Yeah, yeah. Before that point, he'd made a music video, which essentially was a sort of narrative um sort of dialogue free narrative mm. with you know with this music over the top um so he yeah i mean he, you know he he that's not an easy thing to do really you know tell a story without words mm. um the the name of the band if i'm remembering correctly is a band called consequences of the kill okay. um Are they a metal band? 
No, it's quite folky, more gentle. Really? Yeah. Um, and um, so when he'd done that, we showed a, a graduation film, which actually won um, at last year, so that would be 2013's London Short Film Festival, actually won the Best Student Film Award um, from a director called Nicholas Rowland. Mm. So that was called Dancing in the Ashes. Um, very um, sort of... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to use the word mature twice, but this is a story about a ballet dancer who is taken to a concentration camp um, during World War II, a Jewish okay. ballet dancer, and has to choose whether she saves her own life and dances for the camp commander or, or doesn't and will die, essentially. Mm. Um, and it's a really small story that focuses just on her and her mother and the relationship between the two of them when they're taken yeah, to this yeah, camp. Yeah. Um, and... You know, that was, I say mature, obviously in the subject matter, but also in actually that Nick as a director, and as a writer and director, consciously made the choice that he, he knew he wasn't qualified really to tell a big, sprawling Holocaust story and something that took, you know, larger, for want of a better word, plot elements or outside elements of, you know, set in 1942, 43, 44, 45, obviously as a different mm. focus on where the war was and whose favour the tide were turning in. Yeah, yeah. Instead, he chose to focus... He didn't think he was qualified to do that, so he focused on the emotional story. That makes it a stronger film. Some people wouldn't necessarily realise that. You try and put a lot... You, you risk over-egging the pudding and maybe put a lot more in. Mm. He he didn't, so... But, that, but I think a lot with a lot of any kind of little period pieces that are looking at that, that have bigger things and the bigger socio-economic things mm. in their background. I think a micro story within within the backdrop of a concentration camp, which we are visually literate enough to understand, means yeah. the Second World War and the Holocaust, mm -hmm. and therefore focusing on the mother and daughter as you describe. Yeah, I mean, so, I love, and that's what I loved about it. And actually, within mm -hmm. that sort of it's something, it's not a film I'll ever forget. Um, and within the sort of canon of of films that mm -hmm. are set yeah. during the Second World War, and obviously there's a range of them, which yeah. some focus on the Holocaust. Some folks more on the military side of it, but I mean, you say you in describing that film calls to mind something like The Counterfeiters, which is mm. a great film and, and really takes place independent of the fact that this horrendous genocide is taking place through six years across Europe. Mm. But it focuses on this character and the counter and the group of counterfeiters, yeah, and yeah. the choice they have to make. Um, yeah, so you know, a real kind of and have you have you seen through people that have come through your doors, as it were, to show their films? Have you seen anybody, you know, make those as as up and coming filmmakers? Have you seen them make that leap into feature making? Are they? Have you had new feedback from people that they're they're taking their craft to the to the full length? Oh, I mean, I said I've stayed in touch with. I'm sure all of the people that um, that we've um, had come down as guests. They um, they but we're it's only a year old really mm. in the night in itself. So not necessarily quite enough time for them to kind of really kick everything up a notch. Mm. Um, again, there's different, there's even different approaches to that. Um, and I know that um, a lot of them have gone out and made more short films in a different genre with a real different focus just to add another string to their bow. Um, in the case of Cleaning Up, which was, um, so that was written by Simon Guerrier and directed by um, Thomas Guerrier, um, Obviously related to his brother, um, they they knew that actually that 
that film and the characters at the centre of it and the sort of concept behind it mm. would work quite well as a feature. So they're actually selling their film online with um, a load of extra features mm. to fund the earliest sort of script development of the feature version of it, which is again sort of a really okay. sort of admirable and, and different approach. Um, Worked very well for the film for the makers of Saw. Was that is that they there? Got one and a half million dollars on the back of a ten minute short that gave you a taste of the feature. Not too shabby. Not at all. Um, but, and so you can buy your copy of... Um, they produced it through um, a company called Big Finish, who are known for audio dramas okay. um, of a number of kind of existing shows. So they do them for Doctor Who and um, Blake Seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Sapphire and Steel, which I'm not sure many people remember. My parents, maybe, if not to date myself, but it's definitely before my time. Um <laughs> And so this is Big Finish's first film production. So you can buy it through the Big Finish website and you okay. buy, you get a finished version of the film. You can also get the first cut version of the film. You can mm. get a script. So all, you can get a commentary. So they were really on board with the whole sort of how they made it thing. How, how, now there might be a listener out there who's, who's, who's made short films and might be thinking of submitting it to festivals and whatnot. And that might include something to you. How are you, how are you taking, how are you getting things for your... With your schedule, what are you, how are you making your selections, how are they coming along, are you getting any cold submissions? Absolutely, yeah. Um, the only, entirely selfishly, it's a chance for me to just watch more short films, which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only stipulation on our part is that they be at least 15 minutes in length. Okay. Um, it helps that um, filmmakers are based in London, because obviously we're grassroots entirely, um, entry is free, I put the night on for free, um, you know the cinema don't charge they just like to have us in and more people watching films so as much as i would love to be able to uh ship people in mm. that's not really an option um and yeah you can get in touch through the facebook get in touch through twitter i'll drop you my email address and then just send me the link to your film i'll watch it and we'll talk okay well just as this is britflix and just shine away from short film for a second mm-hmm. um what i like to do with people that come on is get a recommendation of a film a british film that maybe doesn't get the plaudits it deserves, but you think you should draw his attention to mm. as a as a guest on the show. So, is there a British film that um, that springs to your mind that maybe is it doesn't get the credit it deserves and could do with a contemporary film? Be whatever British film you want. It could be a right. classic, but if the classic is one that's mm. sort of long forgotten, then by all means remind us. Obscure the better, because I'm, I'm I'm always wanting to learn yourself. Can I can I can I pick two? Yeah. Okay. Because if you had to push me, this is I. That's grossly unfair of me. Because obviously, as part of the short film, I'm pushing filmmakers to pick three, <laughs> which in itself must be nightmarish. But yeah, one is hard. Um, I obviously there was a sort of flurry of um, notable sort of British films in the sort of well, I feel like growing up in sort of as I was then coming of age in the sort of late nineties and feeling part of. Britpop with sort of music and mm. a lot of British films doing well. I've always had a lot of time for um, for uh, Brassed Off, okay. which I think is a really sort of efficiently emotional and political film that just is sort of very well made. Who very... directed that? Do you remember? No. Mark, Mark Herman, I want to say. It's too mad. Don't ask me that question again. <laughs> Because I don't want to get it wrong. They had, I, 
I'm not sure who directed it. For the life of me, I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember. I watched that on a double bill, not not the cinema, I might add, but right. in uh, Breaking the I watched Brassed Off, then Breaking the Waves. That was a cheery evening. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, like, well, in case of Brassed Off, you know, a clown attempting suicide, spoiler alert, a clown attempting <laughs> suicide is, uh, you know, that's a very, you don't always forget that. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's a fabulous, and he, but I even feel like, I like in I like that that film is obviously it's a very British subject matter, mm. um, but it's travelled quite well. I was in Italy once and I saw a uh, sort of point of it was a big sort of point of sale display. I don't know why it was up in a DVD shop advertising that film, but in Italy it's called Grazie Signore Thatcher. Well, which I, say, like that, I would say it? that's a better title. Well, it because going back, the, I, the irony didn't. And 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 um, spite came across even in Italian. Yeah, thanks, Mrs. Thatcher. <laughs> well, um, no, but I, with, with going back to the example we talked about before with your um, the ballerina story, mm. um, which used that the mother daughter relationship as a backdrop for the the, the horrific mm-hmm. nature of uh, the Holocaust during World War Two. The idea that a brass a, a brass band spoiler alert gets affected <laughs> by the closure of its colliery, which it, it mm. no longer, it's no longer needed, was a good small story mm. to show you the inhuman aspects yep. of what was being done dogmatically by a Tory government. And the mm-hmm. fact that it was called Brastoff is sort of, but actually I, I think I quite prefer the... Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> Italian title. Um, yeah, well, go seek it out. If you speak Italian, you might, you'll enjoy it on a whole other level. Okay. The Italian version is, is, is good, I hear. So, uh, and, if, and I'm going to make two choices. Okay, so go on. Then, go enjoy, on. And this is, and if you're talking about films that are sort of certainly underseen and and probably not underrated, um, and I don't think it's unfair to describe him as a national treasure now for entirely different reasons. But Kevin Brownlow, who has contributed a huge amount to just sort of film history hmm. um, and documenting it, British film as well as American film. Um, I think it was 1964. He made again. It was a, a Second World War film called um, It Happened Here, which is almost like an alternate history story set in the UK um, when there was a successful Nazi invasion. Okay. And the story of a nurse who is forced to work with the kind of occupying Nazis um, made on a very low budget, almost sort of more astonishingly so because it was in the 1960s. A very, I think it was made over a sort of five year period. Hmm. Evenings and weekends, um, but kind of in the way that George Romero made Night of the Living Dead, although we're mostly when you're talking about British films, um, but you know, more more astonishing for that. Um, it's pretty hard to find, but it's a great film, yeah. It's one, I mean, it's one I know by title, but I didn't, I've never seen it, so uh, it's called, so yeah, check that out. do it. I'll lend you my copy. Well, look, Stephen, we I will put up. Details with the links to the Twitter, the Facebook, and to the to the ver- to the voting. Excellent on the, on the website. People can check that out. But vote early, vote often. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and for, for the listener in London, um, you know, try and check out the the night. On Please there. do. I mean, we've got um, we've um, got uh, a blog that covers the sort of lessons learned mm. from all the films we screen. So if you can't make it down, provided you know, obviously not everyone is commuting distance to Whitechapel. Um, head there. I'll ask you to put the link up to that as well. So yeah, yeah, no, and you give us the link you want. Okay, well, thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you. Good fun. It's the
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah. 